Getting a great night's sleep is fantastic, and you can get that with a Sleep Number bed. The Sleep Number bed lets you choose your ideal comfort on each side, so it's the perfect bed for couples. With optional Sleep IQ technology inside, it tracks your sleep and gives you personal insights. You see how life affects your sleep and how sleep affects your life. Sleep Number has been ranked highest in customer satisfaction with mattresses by J.D. Power for two years in a row. And for J.D. Power award information, visit jdpower.com. My Sleep Number setting is 90. My Sleep IQ score last night was 92. And there's never been a better time to visit a Sleep Number store. Save 50% on a limited edition bed during the Ultimate Sleep Number event. Plus, Queen C2 mattresses are now only $599.99. You'll only find Sleep Number at any of the 500 Sleep Number stores nationwide. Find one nearest you. Call 1-800-390-9100. Tell them George Norrie sent you. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Okay, welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. McKay Jenkins holds degrees from Amherst College, Columbia's Graduate School of Journalism in Princeton, where he received a Ph.D. in English. After experiencing a very severe health scare on his own, he set out to discover the truth about toxic chemicals, our alarming levels of exposure, and our government's failure to regulate them effectively. Now, he discovered that he spent his life marinating in toxic stuff. And from his wall-to-wall carpeting to his dryer sheets to his drinking water, here he is on Coast to Coast. His latest work is called Food Fight. McKay, I remember food fights in school, but not like this. No, no, this is a this is a food fight at a very large scale. Uh, it's funny that you you mentioned the book about the toxic chemicals was called Contamination, which was about the toxic petrochemicals that get into all our consumer products, from our drinking water bottles to our cosmetics, to everything that we use to clean our bodies and our hair and our children and everything else. There are alarming levels of chemicals and all those, but that book really didn't address food, and so I set out to really look into our industrial food system to see what kinds of things we're eating, how we got to where we are, and uh, came up with some fairly troubling uh, evidence about things, uh, not just about the chemicals like the pesticides and herbicides mm-hmm. that we get, but also genetically modified food, which is really what the book is about. We have uh, championed campaigns to try to stop GMOs, try to at least get the foods labeled, uh, and we have uh, backed people who are pushing those campaigns on this program, okay, with some success in some cases, but not enough is being done. Well, you know, I, I've been listening to your the, the segments that you've done so far, and I, I see I see a common thread here when you're talking about fake news and and how people have this really deep distrust of all kinds of things. They have deep distrust of the press. They have deep distrust of the president, depending on which side you're on. That's right. Uh, there's really this feeling that nobody knows who to trust anymore. And I think this labeling question really speaks to that. People, when it comes to what they eat, which is one of the most intimate things you'll do every day, people don't know what's in their food. They don't know who to ask for real advice about what's in their food. Uh, the whole process of eating has become a really mysterious thing to people. And uh, this is really what this book is about, is trying to lay out exactly how the system that feeds us all has been built and how it all functions. And labeling is a big part of that, for sure. Has the system been bought off to the point where they don't want to take care of us or defend us? 
Well, I think the question is, who is they? Uh, so there, there are two, two large groups that people get most frustrated at. One is government, which they think is not protecting them, and I think that's a legitimate gripe. The second is the industry, which is providing the food that is trying to avoid being regulated. So what you have is giant industrial chemical agricultural companies that control everything that we eat, and there are only really about six companies that are in control of a very large percentage of what we're eating every day. And they have so much money and so much power that they, of course, dictate policy in Washington. So the policy that's not protecting us is being dictated by the companies. So the companies dictate it, the regulators don't do their job, and we are all left uh, holding the bag. So really, there, there are two groups that are kind of working in collusion, and we then don't get the food or the information that we really need. The title, Food Fight, tell me about that because I think that's so appropriate for what we're talking about tonight. Well, people have very strong opinions about these things. If you ask someone what they think about GMOs, they will probably give you a very strong opinion, but they may not have uh, a depth to their argument that I think they could use. So whether you're pro or con, this book will really offer you a lot more evidence to support uh, your, your thoughts about things, because GMOs are now... I mean, it, all it is is really a plant. It's a technology for breeding plants. That's really all we're talking about. It's, the question is, how are those GMOs used? In this country, they're used largely to grow herbicide-resistant and pesticide-resistant corn and soybeans, two crops that are now spread on close to 170 million acres of American land. 170 million acres of land to create two different grains that go into feeding the animals that we eat in fast food restaurants, processed food, empty calories, really. I mean, this, this food that they're producing is really not nutritious. It's not terribly healthy. So regardless of what you think of the technology, the food it creates is really not beneficial, and that's a much larger conversation than whether you like the technology or not. Is it also a way to control the seeds so you make a lot of money exclusively with them? Absolutely, sure. I mean, these, these companies create the seeds, they patent the seeds, they control the seeds, and then if any farmer happens to have any of these seeds drift onto their own crops, they, get, they can get hassled by the companies. They can get sued. harassed by, yeah, they can get sued in court. I mean, there's all kinds of that sort of thing. That's all to protect the, the very large amount of money that these companies are putting into growing these seeds. But it creates, as you, as you say many times in the show, it really creates this culture of paranoia and suspicion and worry about who's got our, the consumers back. And right, right now, it doesn't seem like the companies or the government are terribly interested in providing good, nutritious food for people. They're interested in creating enormous profits on unhealthy food. And McKay, what about the dangers and the science behind playing around with Mother Nature? I mean, they are literally altering the genetics of these foods from yes. corn to soybeans to, you know, just about everything. Isn't that a danger one day? Well, this is certainly something that a lot of people are worried about. I, I will tell you what the global scientific community says, and then you can accept that or not. The global scientific community, I mean the, the most highly respected scientific organizations in the world, not just in the U.S., but in the world, they all say the same thing, that eating GMOs is no more dangerous to your health than eating regular food. That's what they say, and there's mm. almost unanimity in that. Many, many people don't buy that. I mean, just in their, at their gut level, they say eating something that has been manipulated in a laboratory cannot possibly be the same as something that has evolved over millions of years to grow out in a field. Now, there's 
that's really more of a philosophical question than a scientific one, I suppose you could say. And that's where a lot of scientists get really angry because they say that doesn't make any scientific sense. On the other hand, you, it's hard to argue with somebody's gut when they say, uh, you know, people have been eating a, kind, a certain kind of way for a very long time, and now there's this new thing. How do you expect me to trust it? I think that gets back to this whole question of who people think they can trust. Well, and I'm not sure I would want to eat knowingly some kind of food that uh, has been altered to fight uh, insects or weeds built into the food. Because what will it do to you once it hits your stomach? Well, I think the... Here, so here's where we can start breaking things down. So the, the, the GMO corn that you're talking about has been uh, altered to have a bacterium inside it that will resist being... let the corn resist being eaten by caterpillars. So you are, in essence, eating an insecticide. The argument is that that insecticide is a naturally occurring bacterium that has been introduced into the corn plant. On the other hand, there are the, the, the uh, herbicide-resistant GMOs are being designed so that when you spray them with chemicals, they will not wither and die. It'll kill everything else, but it won't kill that plant. And so, therefore, you are, by definition, going to be absorbing a lot of petrochemical herbicides. So that's the major thing here that we're talking about. If you have you know, 100 million acres of soybeans that are being sprayed with herbicides. Now you're getting the herbicides in the soybeans. There's just no getting around that. Now you may not care about that, but that's pretty much a given with the way these things are grown. And where do we stand right now with the science in terms of what they're going to do in the future? I mean, how many more foods will they alter? Well, you just saw about two weeks ago, I mean, so to just back up, so everybody around the world is more worried about this than Americans are. Part of it is because we're drinking the Kool-Aid of these companies and just being told that there's no problem, there's no problem. Everyone else in the world is way more suspicious than we are. So you take that as a given. Now, the companies are desperately trying to find a product that will make Americans feel better about GMOs. And about two weeks ago, they introduced something known as the Arctic apple, which is a GMO apple. And the only thing it does is that when you cut it open, it doesn't turn brown right away. And I don't know about you, but that, that just does not seem to be all that sexy to me. What I think is going on is the companies want something that will turn Americans around and make them happier about GMOs, so then they can start introducing all kinds of other things. And the future is going to be dizzying, because you're going to suddenly not just have GMO uh, plants, but now you have this technology called CRISPR, which is going to allow scientists to alter the genetics of animals. So you're going to start to see everything from pigs to chickens to, to, to cattle that are going to have their genetics altered. You've got a GMO salmon. You know, you're, you're suddenly going to have way larger and more uh, visible animal products out there on the market, and that's going to be a real game changer, I think. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.